Uh, thank you for joining Tox News, your only source into the flawed humanity and all its glory. The date is April 13th, 2021. We begin with the POA. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Short introduction, because much of the Militia Watch update we must get into. Uh, they went on a hiatus last week, and so I did a couple of supplemental articles. Uh, but they're back. The Militia Watch is back, and it's my favorite segment. Let's get into it. It's a, it's a big one this time. So we have a Texas Militia poster plotted to blow up in Amazon data center. We have California Boogaloo adherents arrested for destroying evidence. We have another Proud Boys leader revealed as a Fed. APC founder announces run for Michigan governor. Three percenter members assault South Carolina couple at gunpoint. And mother of Kyle Rittenhouse calls for audit of funds raised by Lynn Wood. All this and more beginning now. Um, So we'll get into their key stories. Oh, yeah. Let me stretch it out a little bit. Get some coffee. Coffee, if you haven't yet. Copy. Sloppy, this one is. But we, we, we move on. Uh, Seth Aaron Pendley, a Texas militia adherent, was arrested this week for plotting to blow up an Amazon data center in Virginia. Pendley boasts... Uh, sorry, in Virginia. I thought Pendley was the, <laughs> the city name, but uh, no, that's his name. Seth Aaron Pendley. Uh, Pendley boasted about being at J6 for the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. He used the name Dionysus on Militia Watch, the popular militia recruitment site run by Josh Ellis. An article revealing this detail earned angry responses from the site admins, and it has a screen capture of the post itself. The The name Dionysus I find a little interesting. Um... I'm not like too familiar with Greek mythology, but I don't really see Dionysus really caring about mobilizing militias. I, as far as I remember, he was like the god of joy. Um, like he just drank wine all the time. So that's that, that's as far as my knowledge goes. So I find it very interesting that Dionysus would step away from debauchery to get in this mess. Um. So moving on, it also led to accusations from far-right Twitter users that my militia works with the FBI because of Ellis's involvement in J6 planning. There's not yet any evidence this is actually the case, though. Four Boogaloo adherents were arrested this week for obstructing a probe into the Bay Area Boogaloo killings of two police officers. The four men, we have Jesse Alexander Rush, uh, Jesus Blancas, Simone Sage, Yabara and uh, Kenny Matthew Mitch were part of a Boogaloo cell called the Grizzly Scouts and were charged for destroying digital evidence. All four men are from Northern California. And there are citations to further readings on that embedded in the article. Uh, Joe Biggs, a prominent Proud Boys member who has been charged for his involvement in the storming of the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th, was revealed to have been a cooperating federal informant in Florida. This news comes around a month after Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio was revealed to have had a cozy relationship with federal agents, too. A California police officer with Proud Boys ties was fired this week for his involvement with the group. Slightly positive note. You know, if you're if you're not a Proud Boy, I would think that you would find that positive news. In Orange County, Florida Department, a uh, deputy's husband was revealed to be well linked to far right figures, including writing for Augustus Invictus's blog. Hmm. Not familiar with Augustus Invictus, but I guess that's just for more research to be done. Um, Ryan Kelly, the founder of the American Patriot Council, is running for governor of Michigan. He traveled to D.C. to take part in J6 and is well-known by activists in his home state for launching rallies in defense of the Second Amendment alongside multiple accused Wolverine Watchmen members. At least half of those who were arrested attended APC events, American Patriot Council. And bizarrely, defending Confederate monuments in Michigan, 
a state that both voted overwhelmingly for Lincoln and was a stalwart member of the Union during the Civil War. He and his wife also run a strange lifestyle channel on YouTube, which is how he announced his run for governor. Highly recommend reading ML uh, or Militia Live's report on this development, which is available here. And I have the Militia Watch update in the description below so that everybody can access these links. Um, around the 21st of March 2021, two men threatened a couple with a gun in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. The assailants were driving a car with a three percenters branded flag flying behind it. Yes. Discord announced bans on another 30,000 accounts for extremist content, marking they continue to clear the far right from their platform, though some remain. All right. So Discord gets an update on how it's handling this phenomenon while Facebook which I covered in last week's episodes, is kind of lacking in those regards. Um, so we have some legal updates. Last week, it was revealed in our court documents that Oath Keepers leader Stuart Rhodes told his followers, quote, Trump better do his damn duty, unquote, around the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. He's just now starting to be scrutinized for his role in this event. Uh, Ronan Farrow, a reporter who has reported on J6 Stormers, recounted this week that one of the Stormers told him in an interview that he, quote, studied the shape of Farrow's head, unquote, and then threatened to eat the face of a family member of Farrow's. I'm going to click that link real quick. I want to save that one. Very, very strange. It's in the sports Yahoo section. Or, like, the sports section of Yahoo? That is weird. It's weird. Anyways, um, moving on in the news. I'm just going to save that in my browser to read later. Taylor Parker DePepe, a Floridian charged alongside three other members of Adam Waffen Division in early 2020, was awarded no jail time last week. Taylor has been in therapy since his arrest a year ago, and some of his victims have said that they are glad he is starting to turn his life around. Hmm. Very interesting. Adam Waffen is a uh, very neo-Nazi, um, so that's a that's a positive turn there. Actually, hearing the the rehabil uh, the geez, rehabilitation of a neo-Nazi that's that's some good news. A uh, Michigan judge dismissed terrorism charges against two men accused as part of the Whitmer plot and refused to charge a third for the ill-defined terror mo modality. Hmm. Interesting. The attorney of Paul Beller, one of these three men, also stated in court this week, it's not illegal to be a member of a militia. Many people in Michigan would be arrested if it were. That's, that's weird, just because really the Wolverine Watchmen had a plot to kidnap the governor. So that's I'm not sure every militia has a plot to kidnap the governor, though, though they might. But, you know, benefit of the doubt, I guess. Um, the men will stand trial for other charges, including gang membership. What? All right. The, the dismissal of terrorist charges is just far beyond my understanding of it. But maybe... I don't know. That's that's actually pretty disappointing. After hearing a, a neo-Nazi turning his life around um, and then hearing a judge dismiss terrorist charges, that's up and down on this scale at this point. Uh, Noah Latham, the only one of the five New England Minutemen to not plead guilty to charges related to the group showing up to stalk Black Lives Matter protests last year, uh, pled guilty this week. All right. The militia group was responding to a Troy, New York Black Lives Matter rally, and Latham is a former soldier. The charges against Latham include his possession of a ghost gun. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I genuinely wonder if it was 3D, 3D printed or if it just merely had the serial number scratched and was illegally purchased, but who really knows? A little sip of that worker's fuel. Back to it. So we have, speaking of Minutemen, a proposed bill in the Missouri State 
SB 528 seeks to formally establish an informal militia under the governor's command. Hmm. Hmm. The bill is sponsored by Bill White, a GOP senator, and would make those who register for the volunteer militia exempt from taxation or registration requirements on their equipment. Oh, if you're listening to the podcast, that really shot up my my eyebrows. I'm wow. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about uh, governors basically sponsoring militias, especially with like how many ties in the GOP right now there are to several militias. Not feeling very comfortable with this bill. That's not. No, this sounds like a line we should not be crossing. Um, but let's continue reading. This unit would then be called, quote, for use in defense during a state of emergency, unquote, at the governor's whim. Hmm. Yeah. The Mary's County Sheriff made a statement to say the bill is redundant. Yes. Yeah. White's bill also adds that the list of enrolled volunteers would remain secret. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, to the text of the bill. Yeah, no, this this sounds really shady. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, like, and honestly, like, the governor has the National Guard and, uh, you know, their own police forces, which are heavily militarized, and then we would have to create new levels of regulations for your militiamen, and, oh, th- that is, this is, I'm going to put a yikes out of 10 on that one. Um like a similar bill resubmitted in South Carolina a few weeks ago, the community has already expressed worries over this type of organization. Some have referred it to possibly becoming a brown shirt type of organization. Yikes. Don't like people are already getting some like uh, some fascism feels from it. So that says a lot. Um, some militia groups from out of state have already expressed their support. For Missouri's bill, which makes sense why militias would be all for it. That's that's like them getting a bill of deputization and really worrisome shit. That that is. That that worries me. But um whew. I'll try to keep an eye on that one. Yikes. I'm grossed out. Alright, um, so we have money drama. The mother of Kyle Rittenhouse, Wendy Rittenhouse, now claims that Lynn Wood used her son for personal reasons. Wood used his position as one of Rittenhouse's lawyers to fundraise for a hashtag fight back campaign as part of Kyle's case. Wendy is now asking for an audit of the nonprofit's fundraising efforts around her son's case, which she claims Wood, uh, Wood used to gain money and gain Twitter followers. Hmm. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, Oathkeeper's founder and leader, Stuart Rhodes, is facing a divorce from his estranged wife, Tasha Adams, who is now seeking to fundraise for her legal fees via GoFundMe. In her fundraiser, she wrote that, quote, It is certainly not easy to find a lawyer willing to go head-to-head against a person who is not only a graduate of Yale Law, but also commands their own private army, unquote. Oh man. Well, Tasha, uh, good luck. That's a yikes out of 10 for me. I'm sorry you have to break away from the leader of the Oath Keepers, but man, this is this is a heavy weekly update. Uh the Biden administration just announced a budget increase of 111 million dollars to combat domestic terrorism, which is split between the DOJ over 90%, and the Department of Homeland Security taking the rest. The bulk of new DHS funding is intended to expand on, quote, research on the root causes of radicalization, unquote. You know, in in my own certain circumstance, since, I mean, I haven't really joined a militia or party organization um i still feel relatively radicalized i just haven't made a membership of anything but um i would say that uh disaffected from the system as it is is probably what leads to radicalization now you know the uh, whether you go left or right 
on your radicalization has more to deal with the the rhetoric and uh ideologies you end up falling for after you've become sick and tired of republicans and democrats serving corporations but uh anyways i will include that update in the description below check it out i have this weird article from yahoo sports to read later the headline ronan farrow reveals bizarre threat from oath keeper who stormed the capitol yeah so i'll have to i'm gonna check that one out later <laughs> But to get into the chunky meat of today, um, as we all know, Dante Wright was recently killed in Minnesota, and the debate is um, really all over the place. And I'm not sure I 100% feel comfortable commenting on the situation either, after yeah, coming to terms with my own contradictions and my own biases and just trying to sit back and let it air out. But um, I definitely have a lot of sympathies towards Dante Wright's family. And um, I also feel for uh, the people who went out in the streets incredibly angry last night. But um, we're just going to have to kind of evolve off of that based on how the right wing is going to respond to as much information as we have about the story with what they're going to give us. So I chosen two segments to talk about this with you with one of them comes from Fox and I have no idea who these people are besides I think Kaylee McEnany is in it. But um, other than that, yeah. Sure. I'll be right back. had to let my roommate out couldn't find his key but the show is real and that happened but we get back on track so i don't know who the hosts are of this besides kaylee mcinney but um we're just gonna have to roll off of it because this is the conversation unfortunately going on <sighs> and um yeah be prepared um because we we know for the most part already how most conservatives and right-wing commentators are going to react to looting and rioting but we're just gonna have to hit it point by point i'm gonna sip my coffee hoping that it'll drain some of the, or at least wash away some of the despair all right it did some of it but let's begin as progressive congresswoman rashida tlaib calls for radical change tweeting this quote it wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright was met with aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. <clears throat> Brett, thank you for joining us this morning. And I'd like to start with you on this. What are your top-line thoughts there on the situation unfolding in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota? Well, good afternoon. If I could just go back to uh, the the ceremony of uh, the Capitol Police Officer Evans and Harris, I thought you were really eloquent coming out of the president's remarks about uh, the family and about what President Biden Thank said you. there. And I agree with Jessica that uh, the president is really, really good as consoler in chief. We've seen that numerous times, including the 500,000 uh, COVID deaths and that speech he delivered there because he comes from a place of empathy. He comes from a place of truthfulness about that sorrow that he's seen with the loss of his wife and daughter and the loss of his son, Bo. Um, and, and that speech today touched those same things, talking to that family. But here's where I'm linking it to. Who is this guy? I did not see this kind of... Uh... I did, I did not see this uh, kind of complimentary speech coming from a Fox News pundit about Joe Biden. I thought they would ignore him before they would compliment him. 
The dichotomy of that and Nancy Pelosi there and Chuck Schumer talking about the importance of the Capitol Police Department, the importance of policing, and the dichotomy of the politics of the progressive side of the Democratic Party, like Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman, mm -hmm. saying no more policing, no more incarceration, and others kind of echoing that in the wake of what we've seen. Um, I think is really stark. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that any society probably needs some form of uh, law enforcement or peacekeeping. Um, and probably much like what Rashida Tlaib uh, is saying is being taken a bit out of context here. Um, you know, the abolished police movement um, doesn't necessarily say that we don't do anything after we've abolished the police. Um, but it, it's definitely acknowledging the fact that if we continue with the kind of um, police that we have, we're just going to continue seeing similar problems. Because, I mean, for a long time now, we've been having this discussion of the cops need more training. They need to be retrained. There needs to be more training. And, like, how many times can we have that conversation uh, until, you know, maybe it's not exactly just the training and I'm not going to say I'm an expert on what the root cause of so much police violence in the United States is, but I, I have to think that it has a lot to do with the mind state of cops going into spe specific situations. And also, too, the people that they're interacting with having certain um, points of view about the police, and which mainly comes from like a lot of media talking to to people so uh we're we're in a really serious pandemic where or not pandemic but situation where you know and it's in a lot of things if we don't do something you know what we would call radical with a hard r um you know we wouldn't be able to really get anything done you know this 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 incremental change that we kind of approach that we take to literally everything i don't know if we have the time and effort for you know i th i feel like as as a society that's constantly collecting data i i, I really don't know how we don't go more innovative and experimental in a lot of areas and gather more and more data in understanding ourselves and our country so it's it's um yeah, uh, Rashida Tlaib, like, making it sound like in her tweet that she just wanted to eliminate all uh, peacekeeping structures within the United States. But I think it's more of the institution that we consider the police now, not to say that we can't replace it with a different kind of institution uh, that that would take up the similar duties, but hopefully in a better way. And it's going to be a, an issue uh, for Democrats going forward to have to answer to these two thoughts about uh, policing and how tough that job is and what has come in, in the wake of it. I, each incident is different, and we're not excusing anything, but overall, the dichotomy of those two things is really interesting to see. That's exactly right. And Kaylee, Brett brings up the future potential accountability for these representatives politically with these comments. Their representative Rashida Tlaib saying no more incarceration, no more policing, that it is inherently and intentionally racist. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It's an appalling tweet. It's a disgusting tweet. It's a tweet that America will not take well, as we know about 18 percent, yes, 18, that low, uh, support the defund the police movement. She also went on to call for that very movement uh, to be reignited, a movement that moderate Democrats on a, a call between House members in the wake of the election said, stop saying that. You're doing damage to our party. And indeed, uh, they're right about that. You know, it's nice to hear Senator Schumer. I, I, I would think a year ago that the defund the police movement did have uh, a bit more support than 18 um but right now it, it may or may not be at 18 i'm not f familiar with that stat um but yeah i think you know again i i think we need to because defund the police was always misconstrued um, because defunding them to the point of abolition is probably a position of some leftists for sure um, but overall, you know, the, the moderate persuasion of defund the police was defunding certain sections of the police, such as the militariza militarization of the police. And, you know, at a certain point, when do they need brand new fancy gear to, you know, police the streets at what extent, you know, as, how, how much, you know, tools do they really need against the citizens? 
um, and rather prioritizing, like they always say, we, they needed more training, but we're constantly prioritizing giving them new tools uh, to use in the streets and in protests and stuff like that, rather than actually doing those training exercises. Um, hmm. But I do think that we have to have a broader discussion of uh, police policies, mainly that, you know, I think that we need to go back to how sheriffs, you know, you have sheriffs that are elected, police chiefs are not, and I don't know why that, that distinction has been made, where police department is appointed by the city, rather than in an election process, much like any other, you know, law enforcement that we had prior. Um, and also just like more community involvement in general to actually see, you know, exactly what the cops are being trained on. And I don't know, it, it the, the, the problem with that is too, is that they don't want to share too much information with the community because then, you know, the criminals also live in the community. So th there's just this really dangerous line of, are we, keeping the the peace or are we actually like criminalizing our streets where anywhere at any point there is somebody worthy of being arrested and possibly killed so yeah we we, we need a very very serious discussion on this of like how we can have a peacekeeping force out in the streets that respects the community and is also respected by the community because as they kill civilians, uh, they lose that respect. And as civilians do not respect cops who, you know, have authority at a certain point, authority has to demand to be respected in order for its authority to be upheld. And that's really what we're getting at here is not, a not enough respect going to the cops and the cops then, uh, having to use their authority with a bigger hammer. Um, it's a it's a bad mixing pot in my own personal armchair position. But to, to be perfectly honest with you, we have to do a much broader uh, reformation. My, my, my take would actually be to abolish what we have as the police force now and start again with a new peacekeeping, maybe even dissolve the sheriff's departments because it seems a bit redundant to have sheriffs state police and then local police i think it could be uh much more focused in and allowing people to really participate in their districts and um especially having people from the districts and in the communities be a part of those police there's so much that we can do to try and uh, uh alleviate the, the the problem without necessarily always diving into the race card although it does have its own issues and validity to the discussion for sure um but we we definitely need to uh, expand our discussion on this topic specifically because we will continue to see over a thousand people die by police every year so stand up there and and really eulogize officer evans in a beautiful way and he said you know he always said these four words officer evans i'm here to help and i would say to schumer and others that's most of the police officers in this country that phrase i'm here to help that's the kind of servant mentality yeah. of the vast majority of police officers like officer evans and at the white house podium i really hope jen saki has read that tweet from rashida Tlaib in light of that beautiful memorial service we just saw for a hero and is asked to respond to it because she should be held to account. Her party should for that kind of rhetoric. Harris, Brett bought, brought up the dichotomy of the current climate. And as see, and that's the thing here is like she's equating Rashida Tlaib's like tweet to a message to destroy the foundations of America. That's really what that is. There's no other reason why you would call it disgusting if you didn't think that it was demonizing uh the the system or the institutions and it's it's hard for me to not feel some sympathy towards what rashida said when we're constantly not holding authority accountable and when people feel that authority is unjustified i do believe that it is within the people's power to uh, abolish that system and create a better and new one and that means uh, a very, very heavy level of community involvement beyond just having politicians figure it out. This has to be entire organizations of communities coming together with the interest of creating a uh, much more efficient and, let's say, in these regards for now, a much more safe peacekeeping, uh, you know, 
or uh, institution. This is this is wild that like you know if we talk about taking down police as we know it and creating something new, it's it's equivalent to destroying everything. In the same way that if you say, hey, let's destroy capitalism and put up socialism, it, the whole argument is is that you're destroying America. You'll destroy the American dream. That's evil, and it's always these hyper conflations to these situations that makes any any amount of change nearly impossible. As you have said, we are in a complicated place. Communities are in anguish, both emotionally and also literally as, as they're being burned down, their livelihoods are being destroyed. Police departments are being defunded, officers are being vilified, and all this as we speak, as fallen Capitol Police Officer Billy Evans lays in honor there at the Capitol. I wonder if people like Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, though, want us to actually see each other the way that we really are. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder that it, is it easier to use us as props in politics if, if they don't allow the sides of people to see each other as human beings? If you make everything about racism, I mean, what we are learning about that situation, and we still don't know all the facts, but we learned a lot from that video with that audio because the police chief in Brooklyn Center said he decided to release it early so people could see what he called a mistake being made. She pulled a gun instead of a taser. I mean, is that training? We don't know what that is. But to out and out call everything racist means that... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule it as neglectful. If you've been a police officer for 26 years, you should definitely know when you're holding your taser and when you're holding your gun. Um, I, don't, I don't really feel safe... In, in in the thought that a cop could that easily mistake them because that that's a that's a distinction of life or death for sure so um i would definitely rule that neglect and manslaughter uh, but i'm not a judge and all of that stuff but that's that's where i'm coming from we can't even have substantive conversations about the things that matter most in life brett put it so well there are two stark ways of looking at it i say it's more than a stark line I, I say that it's, it, we're in two different quadrants. We can't even see the line. We can't even see each other. And for some politicians, that's a good thing. Because if we aren't human... I mean, I think in a way that, like, you know, how the discussion is focused in on, um, on race, it does alienate um, a lot of white people. But that's also a, a bit of implicit bias on their own end, is that, you know, you shouldn't really care uh what color of the, the 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 skin the person who is victimized by the police is in order to do something about it um but overall yeah like we're having a very hard time with getting certain people engaged in this conversation mainly because it steps out of their realm and they think that they have to get into the bank of all lives matter and <sighs> into into that toxic reactionary way hmm. Hmm. humanize to each other if cops don't see us as human and we don't see them as human then you can manipulate both sides and you can make both sides hate each other and i guess if all your goal is is to keep your seat that'll benefit you but if you want to bring america together that is not how you do it and there in Brooklyn Center, the city manager, Kurt Bogany, was just fired by the mayor. And it was because he called for... Mm, I saw he resigned. So I'm coming at that a little bit skeptical. Uh, I, I had seen that he resigned. So that's that's interesting. Due process for the officer because he pointed out that she was put on administrative leave per department policy. And I just want to point out that when I was a federal managing attorney, I engaged in disciplinary measures of employees and terminations and put them on administrative leave and the like. And part of the reason that I adhered to a certain structure in place was in part for their protection, of course, but it was also for the state's protection. It protected the government that I represented against subsequent causes of action they might have against us. And we know that in unintentional shootings, the protocol is that there are two investigations, right? There's an internal one to determine whether any department policy was violated, and if so, to recommend commensurate punishment or discipline, including termination, and also an external one. So there in Minnesota, it's the Criminal Bureau of Apprehension to determine when and if charges should be filed. And I bring those up to point out that, that the, the 
that the purpose of those ensures that due process so that the potential errant employee is protected and also the state. And Leslie, when the mayor terminated the city manager, he said, I want to ensure that the city benefits basically from good leadership at all levels throughout the city government. So what was it about calling for due process that protects both the officer and the state from the officer? What about that, calling for due process, what about that wasn't good leadership? All right, so, wow. Just wow. Um, he resigned, so he wasn't fired. And so having this conversation is very strange. Uh, very strange indeed. Um, yeah, so, like, we're, we're creating, like, why isn't he a good leader based off of my hypothetical lie? What? You know? What? I, I, what? <laughs> the the thing is though is that so what i find interesting is is that their due process has the internal affairs section of it where they check to see if they broke any policies and stuff like that because killing someone isn't inherently against their policies so so again like for the most part the the, the cops because of their authority operate on a different set of rules for everybody because they are allowed to kill people for very specific reasons where if a civilian kills somebody it has to do solely in the process of self-defense so we have a very we have our rules and laws that we all live abide by they too live by these rules and laws but they only come in after the internal affairs investigation so I don't know. There's just a level to this authority that like a lot of cops with qualified immunity in the back of the mind were just allowed to get away with so many things up until the point of when the Internet and smartphones started really showing how policing in America operates. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think we really need to restructure how we consider giving authority to people who walk around in our streets armed um, and really what that authority entails in every aspect of it. Um, so to, cause I do think that if somebody murders somebody, of course we should go through the due process. So I don't inherently disagree with what the, what the cops said, but them immediately not going through any actions of, towards accountability and allowing internal affairs to do this sort of thing which is another apparatus of the state we have the state policing the state it's almost like on an honor code system thing so of course like a lot of civilians aren't gonna think that this is uh sincere um so we have we have a lot of work to do in regards of authority and holding authority accountable and how authority also accepts its accountability and responsibility that's just where we're at. Is that oh, she, Leslie? Leslie? She asked the question, she's spaced out, but I'll be right back. that's for you <laughs> Leslie oh. so, sorry I thought it was I just didn't want to jump in um, you know I, I th everyone is entitled uh, to do due process um, you know our laws are clear Constitution is clear but I, I want to go back to uh, that due process that video and the investigation on my radio show I have spoken to police officers some say what they've seen looks accidental but some say they're perplexed because they were trained that their predominant hand has their weapon and their other hand, so for me it would be right, and their other hand left would have the taser. Others have told me the feel of the taser, the weight of the taser, the pull of the trigger uh, is different. Looting and violence are wrong, period. <laughs> However, the African-American community have also told me that call into my radio show, every time something like this happens, it's yet another day they feel that they wake up in America where an African-American's life has been taken, accidentally or otherwise, 
by a white police officer, and they're angry. The violence and the looting do not achieve the goal. The violence and the looting don't help us with a solution. Quite frankly, saying having no policing, no incarceration doesn't help either. But obviously, we need some retraining in some of our police departments, perhaps this one as well. And obviously, we need to have conversations as well as solutions to these problems, which violence, uh, looting, uh, rioting, burning, certainly are not. Then again, we cannot overlook the disproportionate numbers that are affected by those in the African-American community. Well, uh, Leslie, in, in if you're going to need those things, you're going to need money for them. You're going to need funding for them if you're going to need those things. And by the way, as a black person, I wake up too with a broken heart, but I also have a broken heart when like 30 to 40 people are shot in Chicago and it's black on black crime. I mean, if we want to talk about having a broken heart and having an honest reaction to, to the pain of loss, then we can talk about that. But if we're going to solve problems and you want to put and infuse all these great things into the system for police, you're going to need cash to do that. Defunding the police is not how you get there. But right. like Kaylee said, and I, I, agree, I, would, I agree with Kaylee on something that she said earlier. Majority of Democrats, like myself, centrist and moderates, do not agree with defunding the police, do not agree with that phrase, or really what the intention was, which was reformation of the police department, or as President Barack Obama said today, we need to reimagine the police department. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I honestly didn't hear anything offered uh, in the way of you know solutions or the type of conversations or where the conversations should be steered, all I heard about all I heard was whataboutism. Uh, that's that's the surprising thing to me. But maybe maybe Matt Walsh here will come in with some actual clear solutions. Rewinds itself and replays again and again. More rioting in an American city on Sunday night. This time back in Minneapolis, Ground Zero, the place where our Groundhog's Day be uh, nightmare began a year ago. In a possible preview of the rioting that will probably happen when the Derek Chauvin trial concludes, no matter how it concludes, BLM militants smashed police cars, assaulted police officers, vandalized police stations, looted local businesses. Video footage shows the pillagers ransacking shoe stores, auto parts retailers pharmacies dollar store i mean it's it's pretty obvious why he says blm militants is just so that anytime you see blm you're instantly infuriated but um i don't think blm really organized anything in regards to minneapolis last night i'm pretty i'm sure that they had um you know some mobilization through facebook but i, I i'm pretty sure this was a, a community's reaction so um yeah, if if you if you simply apply it to just Black Lives Matter, it eliminates the idea that this is a broader issue to many more people than just those who belong to BLM. Even pizza restaurants, a little Caesars, they rioted, stole some packages of dough, I guess. I don't know why. As we've learned in recent months, no ointment can numb the pain of systemic racism quite like an armful of stolen merchandise. At least that's what we're supposed to believe. Now, the thing that caused the latest round of rioting is, as always, the depravity and moral degeneracy of the rioters themselves. That, that's really what causes it. But the ostensible excuse, the cover for the chaos, is the death of a man named Dante Wright, who was shot and killed by Brooklyn Center police during a traffic stop earlier in the afternoon. Brooklyn Center is a, a town, uh, I think, to the north of Minneapolis, nearby. Uh, not many details are currently available about this incident, and as of yet, the body cam footage has not been released. The details don't matter anyway, right? They never do. BLM has its narrative, which is always the same narrative, and is adjusted only to include the few sketchy and superficial details that get imprinted immediately onto the public conscious, right? Um, in this case, the detail is that Wright was pulled over, allegedly, for an air freshener. Now, to hear people on Twitter tell it, uh, and, I have, and I have seen it phrased exactly this way, Wright was shot by the cops for having an air freshener. They pulled him out of the car, executed him on the spot for the air freshener, but really because they're racist. This is the narrative. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. And incidentally, it is almost certainly not true, as any rational person would immediately suspect. 
Doesn't mean the shooting was justified, but any person with a brain knows when they hear that story, there's got to be more to it, right? Based on the few seemingly reliable details that had been provided, Wright was initially pulled over for a traffic violation. Maybe it was the air, air freshener. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but then it, it does matter, though, if it is the air freshener, Matt. And, you know, from the results of today, it's not the air freshener, but it would matter if it was the air freshener, Matt. It, it would matter. And that's funny that he says that it wouldn't matter anyway. It would. Because something as frivolous as that taking somebody's life is um, uh, shockingly depraved for it to not matter. It was discovered that he had an outstanding warrant. Officers, officers tried to apprehend him, but he ran back to his vehicle. He was shot at some point during that process. He drove away and crashed shortly after. As journalist Andy No reports, Wright had previously posted many pictures on social media of himself flashing gang signs, using drugs, and so on. Now, none of this makes the shoot. I haven't seen any proof of that. What's funny, too, is that Andy No did say that. I, I was on his Twitter, but the, the pictures that he posted was of Dante, like, having large stacks of money that he was holding. I didn't see any gang signs, though. I literally... He, he put it in the description, like... Uh, you go to Dante Wright's Facebook and there's gang signs and the four pictures that he chose to put up on Twitter were of him like holding money in different places on different days in different clothes. Showing off money isn't a gang sign, I don't think. Uh, unless the rules changed. But um, I again, I haven't I'm not going to say that any of that's true. And I also don't know how much it's actually relevant to the case. Are we honestly, every time somebody is killed by the police, we're going to be like, they use drugs. Yet so? Shooting justified. But it does point to there being more to the story than just an innocent guy with an air freshener. There's always more to the story, of course. It's possible that the shooting was still unjustified, that he was murdered. That it's all as bad or nearly as bad as BLM says it is. But if that's the case, it will be by mere happenstance. BLM will automatically claim that every shooting of a black man by police is a racist execution. Perhaps one of these days they'll accidentally be right. I mean, they haven't been right even once so far. About I mean, it's very fascinating to me that the only way it would be overtly racist or obviously racist is if like they pulled them out of the car said uh this land is for my white children put on a hood and then executed uh the said victim that that's literally the only way we can prove that it was racist um i don't actually see any evidence whatsoever that this was a you know hate crime in the way that they wanted to kill a black man um it's just it, in the cops conversation is like whether or not they actually feel like they're going to face accountability for doing so. Um, but from what I could tell in the video of the body cam is that she, uh, did m make a mistake. She's shouting that she was going to tase and then shot him with a gun and said, I just shot him. Like she, like she fucked up, not saying that she should still be a cop or that she should be forgiven for that. That's up to the family, honestly. Um, and on it, I too would be a lot more worried if a taser and a gun are that easily mistakable, because again, that distinction can lead to death. Um, so there, there's still a race discussion to be had in the policing, in the conversation of policing in America. But again, I, I always want to focus in more that like, we really just need to look at our cop culture, um, as a broad uh, a, a, a completely broad aspect because uh you know yeah all, all kinds of people are being killed by police and we already got 268 police involved killings in 2021 268 it's insane about everything when you when you take any individual incident all the things that blm says about that incident they've never been right about all of those things and in terms of, uh, of, of the most basic claim of a cop shooting a black man because of racism, they have literally never been right about that. That has never turned out to be true. Not once.
Maybe this will. Uh, I don't know about that, because I mean, like, we can go back to Rodney King if we have to be fresh. And well, he wasn't shot, but yeah, um, in in you know, it's definitely debatable whether or not uh, Michael Michael Brown, whether his his uh, his murderer went all in because uh, he was black. Um, so there's there's uh there's a debate to be had on that one. Michael Brown, who in fact probably was one of the first um, protests, uh, first uh, victim of police murder that BLM rose out of. And you know who who faced accountability for Michael Brown's killing? No one. What about Breonna Taylor's? No one. 98% of cop murders go completely unaccountable 98 percent cops are killing people thousand a thousand plus per year and 98 percent of them face zero accountability are we to trust those numbers that 98 percent of cops are in the right that these are the correct responses to somebody getting back in their car somebody having an episode and Asking to be put on the ground in the prone position. <sighs> Just makes a fellow wonder, you know? It'll be the one occasion where they're right. I doubt whether this is such an occasion, but um, I'll wait for time and evidence to tell the whole story. Whatever really happened with Dante Wright, what we can say for sure is that the average BLM or Antifa radical out in the streets protesting doesn't care what really happened with Dante Wright. Even less do they care about police brutality or fascism. Least of all, do they feel any actual pain over the loss of life. The anger is performance. The tears are for show. It's, this is all one big stage play. When they're out in the street crying because of Dante Wright, I don't believe the tears. And you should. I mean, that's kind of a horrifying thing to do is to think that everything that a left-wing movement reacts to is a false flag reaction to push forward a narrative that's uh that's some serious dangerous thinking and that can easily lead to a moment when we're in another red scare where you know we think sleeper cell communists are everywhere um that's really dangerous rhetoric to be going for here um and it doesn't really allow the bridge to to get to the gap of you know um blue lives matter to to black lives matter meeting in the middle ground of yes we need uh, peacekeeping force, but also uh, we need to take human lives uh, seriously. So this this is a terrible way to go about these things by saying that every leftist out in the streets protesting this is a fake, a phony, and superficial, where, you know, in some cases that can be very true. Um, but I'm not going to say that I, 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 I think a lot of leftists are tied to their politics emotionally because they want to see a more compassionate, empathetic world. And when things like this happen, it's a, it's a real test of their, uh, of their perspective. So, um, yeah, I don't like Matt Walsh instructing his viewers and followers to just instantly dismiss all of them. That's uh that's pretty irresponsible in a, country that's supposed to be living together shouldn't either the only thing that's real is the physical destruction they cause everything else is fake now if that seems like a harsh assessment consider the fact that between january 1st 2020 and march 31st 2021 they cost over these past 15 or 16 months we're gonna talk money when huh? rioting over alleged police brutality has been so on trend there have been 507 white people shot to death by police compared to 271 black people. And yet somehow, nobody knows the name of any of those white people, save one, Ashley Babbitt. She was an unarmed woman shot in the neck and killed by Capitol Police on January 6th. We know her name, not because BLM rallied to her cause, but because they so conspicuously refused to rally to her cause. Indeed, her, her death was more likely to be celebrated by the very people who'd spent the previous year pretending to care about the killing of unarmed civilians. Anytime you see uh, someone with BLM in their, in their, their Twitter profile um, and they're lamenting the, 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 the death of Dante Wright or George Floyd or anyone else, 
search their name and then the name Ashley Babbitt and see what they had to say about her. Because I will tell you right now, it's either nothing or they were celebrating it. Aside from. <laughs> yeah, but like the thing is, though, is that they don't have to say anything about it. What, what, what would you say about it? Honestly, Matt, like, yes, the loss of human life is tragic all the time. But she specifically stormed the Capitol. Like, we had uh, BLM protesters outside the Capitol, and they got a much harsher response than the people who actually stormed it. Although nobody died in the BLM, but nobody also stormed the Capitol. <sighs> and it's also weird, too, that he says, like, over 500 white people were killed by police last year, and the only one he remembers is the one who stormed the Capitol. Because there's certainly a lot of cases that are in the same vein as, like, Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain's stories where cops went way over their line and killed somebody. So, like, even even now, as he is talking, it is just as superficial as any of the, you know, so supposed BLM protesters that he's uh, caricaturing for us. So that's... um. Man, I don't I don't know how you I really don't know how you can see the parallels to like what you're doing to the fake straw man that he's creating. He's literally the right wing version of the straw man he's creating. That's amazing. I guess it you know, to create a good hypothetical straw man to fight against, you have to project a little. From Babbitt. The names of the other white people killed by police are known only to their families and friends. Not one that's not true. I don't, and unfortunately, I don't, I don't remember their names. Um, I'm not a very good person in a lot of regards, but um, there, there were several people who had brought up the fact that a lot of these uh, white people aren't getting any media coverage whatsoever, and that is a very valid argument. But the thing is, too, is that there's no organization that is focused in the way that BLM is. So BLM does get a lot of media attention. Because of uh, one, it you know it pays the media to do it, not not BLM specifically, but the viewers, they, they they're connected to the to the big organization that is BLM. It's familiar, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but there's just not a strong enough, big enough organization that is also just focused on police brutality in general. And the only one that I've really seen which doesn't do too much organizing, is mapping police violence. Mapping police violence, though, does point out a bit of the disproportionate police brutality that does go to marginalized groups, but they also do acknowledge that um, police violence is against of every ethnicity and race. So um, it's just unfortunate because the All Lives Matter thing could have really actually been a springboard off of Black Lives Matter by showing up to the same protest and having the names of all the victims of police violence rather than being a reactionary counter-protest to Black Lives Matter. It could have been in the same kind of solidarity and support. So I, I, I don't like when you know we say, what about all the white people when we're trying to counter one specific organization trying to bring focus into the African-American community when you're not really offering anything in the reforms of all those other people killed by the police. You're just bringing it up because fuck those other guys, you know? So if we're, if we're going to take police reform seriously, let's actually organize and focus in on all victims of police brutality and not just reactionary say it whenever you hear BLM. One protest has been staged on their behalf. Not one riot has broken out. Not one building burned, to the, burned in their honor. Not one pair of shoes looted from a footlocker. You know, it's a curious thing that those who are still overwhelmed by the pain of George Floyd's death a year later, they haven't gotten over it. They're just overwhelmed. They didn't know him. They didn't know anything about him. They're overwhelmed by the pain. It's curious that they can be so selective in that pain. Was Floyd more deserving of mourning? Was Dante Wright more deserving of mourning than any average white person killed by the cops? 
Now the ex again, it's Black Lives Matter, so it's very, very focused in on bringing like in the same way of the civil rights, like Martin Luther. No, that may that might be a bad example, but there were organizations during the civil rights movement that was solely focused on giving the African Americans civil rights more than it was the women. There's sections of organizations to do these things, but there isn't a very focused organized organization that is focused on police brutality as a whole. And they could easily show up to BLM protests in solidarity to uh, alleviate the same symptoms that BLM is trying to fight against as well. But again, I'm just going in circles at this point, so I'm going to move on. It's excuse most commonly given for this disparity in coverage and outrage is that while black people are killed by police less often, um, when you account for population disparities, they are still more likely to be killed by police. And I've addressed this claim many times. Now, even if this statistic needed no qualification, how does that explain or justify the fact that people who protest alleged police brutality never protest alleged police brutality against white people? The fact that it happens proportionally less often, what, that means that it's not an outrage? It's not a tragedy? The fact, the, the fact that black people are more likely to be killed by police means that George Floyd's death warrants a year of public wailing and mourning, and the death of a white man warrants no public wailing or mourning at all? I mean, then why don't you use your platform to actually highlight these cases? Why is this the only time that you would make this conversation or this this argument, this point. Why don't you use those the platform to point out that police brutality doesn't necessarily have a specific bias? You have the viewers and followers to do it. Or is that because your interests aren't actually in reforming the police whatsoever? Just curious. Okay, because the proportionality of outrage is, is there's 0%. You wanna talk about percentages. You want to say that there's a, there's a smaller percentage of white people killed by cops. Okay. But the percentage of outrage over those killings is zero. Zero percent. It appears that the Black Lives Matter crowd really does believe that only black lives matter. Or at least that they matter quite a bit more than white lives. What other conclusion could one draw? Now, as it happens, the statistic cited earlier does require a qualification. Yes, a black person is more likely to be killed by police, but a black person is also more likely to commit violent crime. If we're talking about proportionality, we have to look at the whole picture. The whole picture, even after just a glance, severely complicates the simplified racial narrative that you hear from the BLM set. Hmm. The thing is, though, is that... Um on mappingpolice.com, they have a graph that highlights how crime rates aren't actually associated to police killings, and that over the years, um, police killings have moved further from cities and in more into suburban and rural areas. So, um, yeah, I would say do a little bit more research on that because he's it's a it's an old argument that you know the cops are where the crimes are. But so far in the police killing data from like 2015 to 2020, uh, there's no correlation between crime rates and police killings. So, But again, this is beside the present point. That doesn't even matter for the point that I'm making here. No statistic can explain why the emotional reaction from the so-called anti-fascists should be so selective. Why they should remain sitting on their hands while white people are shot dead, waiting until someone with a darker skin tone suffers that same fate. I don't know who he's talking about because there's not an anti-fascist with that much power to actually change the system based off of that. But any um, any actual leftist is concerned uh, equally across the board of any uh, gender or race, um, but our news media does focus in on our marginalized groups mainly because they have the biggest megaphone when it comes to this situation right now. And actually, it seems to benefit the division that we're all feeling as Americans if they don't report every case of police brutality and only report the cases of uh, uh, the the black individuals. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know who he's yelling at here because again, he's 
yelling at a bunch of anti-fascists that actually don't have any power or probably don't even really exist outside of Matt Walsh's mind. So real moral outrage doesn't work like that. And that's how we know that none of the outrage we're seeing is real. None of it is real. It is all performance. I don't know. Just because it may be misunderstood or displaced doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't real. I, I don't I don't like the idea of him completely shutting off his viewers and followers from trying to reach across the aisle and be like, why are you this frustrated? And it's his job to tell you why they're that frustrated so that you don't have to actually listen to another human being. So that's... Whew, I'm going to give that one a yikes out of 10. And this has been an episode of Yikes with Yikey. Yep. I'm, damn, I'm really tired today. Uh, follow on Twitter. Um, like, dislike, share, subscribe, ring the bell, rate and review. Um, and uh, hopefully I'm a little bit more awake for next time. Maybe not. Who knows? This has been Depressing with Depressing. I hope you have a good day.